Black Lives Matter. Not really. Not really. Unfortunately, not so much. In our corrupt, sick, and warped society, black lives only matter once a black life is dead, and it can be blamed on a white person, that death. That way, money can be made, attention and political power gained. Now, this is abhorrent. All lives matter, of course, and it does not matter what you look like. It does not matter. We are all being judged now on the things that we cannot control. And it's heinous. And major problems are allowed to fester and get worse. Nobody talks about them. And children are dying, particularly children of color, often bystanders to gang violence, taken down by bullets that were not meant for them, but recklessly fired in their neighborhoods. Now, a major exception right now is Jordan Neely. His life matters. Guess why? By the way, he looks like a nice guy, but he had a lot of problems, and he wasn't such a nice guy. He led a very violent life. But Jordan Neely is a big deal right now because he's dead, and a white man was involved in his death. Now, here's the struggle that you may have seen. This is on a New York City subway on May 1st. He's in the white T-shirt. He's being subdued by Daniel Penny. Um, now, you don't know that dozens of witnesses and 911 calls attest that Neely was menacing people, threatening people. A trainload of people were terrified. They were afraid that he would hurt or kill someone or hurt or kill himself. He had to be subdued. And the person who did it was a man named Daniel Penny, right there. And for his trouble, well, he's been arrested or will be arrested tomorrow and charged with manslaughter. It is expected, widely reported, that he is going to be prosecuted and faces up to 15 years in jail. He's a Marine, by the way, and an Iraq War veteran. Um, but the details of Mr. Neely's life have now been, well, a lot of them have been vaporized. Very hard to find out because when it comes to him, there are some very unsavory things about this man. He's been in all kinds of trouble. In 2015, he tried to kidnap a seven-year-old girl. In 2019, he punched a 64-year-old man in the face. Two years ago, he punched a 67-year-old woman in the face and broke her nose. Now, these details are almost non-existent on the Internet. Big tech has decided that this person is a saint and will be treated as such. And any truth about his life, well, if it doesn't glorify him, it is to be censored or ignored. Here's something else about him. When he was on that train, there's a good likelihood that he was high on K2, a potent form of marijuana, synthetic marijuana. According to his uncle, he got into K2 and drugs which was his way of healing himself. Now, K2, more on K2, please. It is a synthetic marijuana. It's unpredictable and dangerous, and it has known psychotic effects. Now, these are what you might call mitigating circumstances, right? I mean, in a responsible, mature society, these things would be taken into account. But we don't have one of those. We're not responsible. We're not mature. We're this. Jordan Neely deserved help. He deserved compassion. And he, like all of us, deserved to feel safe. He had a life that he was living 
and was reaching for. He really enjoyed Michael Jackson. He had a phenomenal voice. He was a phenomenal dancer, and he enjoyed making people happy. Jordan spent a lot of time on the subway. His life ended on the subway. So lazy, so incendiary, right? It sounds all nice, right? Everything's uh, an homage, but they're stirring the pot big time, and it's having a real effect. I expect it from cheap politicians, of course. AOC and the rest, he was murdered. They got publicly executed. Ayanna Presley says he was lynched, blah, 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 blah. Um, but some big heavyweights saying much the same thing. Remember, it's all to exploit so they can enhance their power and also, quite frankly, their money for politicians' fundraising. And for the mayor of New York, he just wants to be seen. No family should have to suffer a loss like this. And too many black and brown families bear the brunt of system long overdue for reform. There were many people who did care about a man named Jordan. But it wasn't enough this time. And we must keep trying before we lose another Jordan. You think that's about Jordan or you think it's about him? It's about his brand. It's about accruing more power. And oh, by the way, to hell with the community. Who cares what happens? There's, there's too much fun to be had in a moment like this. The family's going to pursue this. They're planning a funeral. All of the community is riled up about it. Yeah, riled up. That's what Al Sharpton has done for decades. Everybody's playing their part here. And look at how people are riled up. And look who pays the price, huh? These cops doing their job, hassled by this maniac, right? Yelling these awful things. Hey, and you know what? Maybe he's not a maniac. Maybe he's just a guy who consumes the news. Can we turn up the volume a little bit? That's right, nigga. Don't touch me, nigga. It's that time. It's that time. Let the white man get away. Let the white man yeah. walk out the door. As all right. Out so where do you think he's picking up all that stuff, that, that hateful rhetoric? Hmm? Everywhere. It's our society. That's what it's all about. And who pays the price? Who has to bear the burden? That brave cop. We thank uh, Rebecca, the photojournalist, who got all that stuff. People jumping on the train tracks because they've been whipped into a frenzy by cheap politicians, right? Or... In a way, they're also whipping into a frenzy these little, um, I guess you would call them activists, extremists. They get the politicians all worked up. It works both ways, actually. And again, look who's paying the price. Hardworking men and women in uniform and also just ordinary people from all walks of life. Daniel Penny is going to turn himself in tomorrow. I don't think this is at all, at all about race. Actually, some of the people on the train who are helping Daniel Penny subdue Jordan Neely happen to be people of color. The guy on the right there, they're working together. Uh, you know, they're New Yorkers. This guy's a threat. The whole thing, none of it was about race, but you saw it. They all want to make it about race, right? They all want to make it. And guess who made the decision to prosecute this guy? Alvin Bragg, the district attorney of Manhattan. Yes, the same one who's going after Donald Trump. I wonder, I just wonder, next year, we're coming up on the election year, right? Big time. It's a political season. Joe Biden, actually, I don't know if you noticed that horrible poll, devastating for his political prospects, but he is slipping dramatically with black voters, all right? Down 30 points in two years. That is huge. So what are they going to do? I mean, look, this is not quite George Floyd, but it will have to do for the moment. It happens almost every four years. Candace Owens, just as she predicted. 
Bottom line is that white supremacy, racism, nation, white nationalism, words that once held real meaning have now become nothing more than election strategies. Every four years, the black community is offered handouts and fear. Handouts and fear. Reparations and white nationalism. This is the Democrat preview. Yep. Candace Owens, totally amazing. It's happening all over again, right? This is it. They're going to milk it. They're going to, it's going to have to do for now. And those poor people, those poor police officers being hassled over this, this thing could blow up. And what about the next incident, right? They're going to do the same thing because people can make money and political power. And maybe even Joe Biden can be rescued. It is a really sad state of affairs, but there's help on the way, I do believe. Donald Trump, boy, did you see last night? All right, it's a day ago, 24 hours ago, so you've probably already seen it. But there may be a couple of little moments that you didn't catch, and they were magnificent. Very, very interesting. I'll have them when we come back. Now that was special. Donald Trump last night at that town hall meeting crushing, crushing CNN. Gotcha question after gotcha question. He handled it all like a statesman, a great statesman. That's what I saw last night. A former president and very likely a future president. And his words, he's talking from experience and actually with an eye on the future knowing that he could very well be president again, and his words matter. It was, it was fascinating to me. And also, we had a masterclass from a politician, all right? I'm telling you, Donald Trump is experienced like nobody else, and he is, look, in big ways and in small, he's a master. I want to show you something. This is the very beginning. You may not have thought much of it, anything of it, really, but watch when he comes in the room. Please welcome the frontrunner for the Republican nomination, former President Donald Trump. Probably that's just Donald Trump walking into a room, right? There's a lot going on there, okay? A lot. Let me show you how Joe Biden does it in the same environment. Without further ado, everyone, let's welcome the 46th president of the United States, Joe Biden. How you doing, Good to see you. Did you notice anything? Joe Biden doesn't take his eyes off the person he's trying to impress, the moderator. Donald Trump looks at the audience. Put him up side by side. It's all about the people for Donald Trump. Right. He does not. He does not care about the host. He's going to get to the host later, whatever. It's about the people. This is subtle, but it's so important. And actually, it's not so subtle. I think it's it governs and it impacts everything about him. We do the people. It is so rare and so awesome. Next, you'll see the strategist. All right. Somebody who knows the world, knows what he wants to do question that they throw at politicians all the time. And uh, I know the answer they're looking for. Watch what he does. Do you believe that Putin is a war criminal? 
He's responsible for the deaths of thousands well, of Ukrainian men and women. Well, I think this, I think it's something that not, should not be discussed now. It should be discussed later. Because right now, we have to get a war. If you say he's a war criminal, it's going to be a lot tougher to make a deal to get this thing stopped. Because if he's going to be a war criminal, where people are going to go and grab him and execute him, he's going to fight a lot harder than he's fighting, you know, under the other circumstance. Uh, that's something to be discussed at a later date. That makes total sense, doesn't it? It really does. Now... He thought about it, all right? And he can think on his feet. And he already knew. It's nobody's benefit to call him a war criminal. It may feel good. It may appease Katie Collins, whatever her name is. Now look at what Joe Biden did with the same question. Mr. President, after everything we've seen, are you ready to call Putin a war criminal? No. Are you ready to call a war criminal? Thank you so much. He said, not a war criminal. His handlers freaked out and said, you got to go right back to that girl and say something different. Oh, I, I, I think he is a war criminal. Ah, reactive, pathetic, bouncing around, right? Being jostled, literally being jostled. This is not impressive to anyone. President Biden was asked by reporters, is Vladimir Putin a war criminal? He said no, walked off, came back and said, yes, he is. All right. So you have a guy who actually knows and has thought about it and has a reason to say he's not a war criminal for the time being. That's Trump. And you got Biden just bouncing around a cocktail party with no clue who's more qualified. And also, look. After all this, the Ukrainian flag being unfurled in the House of Representatives and all the money that has been spent, no one's talking about peace except him. Mr. President, can I just follow up on that? Because that's a really important no, excuse statement me, let me just, just made up. there. Can you say if you want Ukraine or Russia to win this war? I want everybody to stop dying. They're dying. Russians and Ukrainians. I want them to stop dying. It's not what the swamp thinks is the right policy, but doesn't that sound great, huh? And it's new and it's innovative, and that's leadership. The swamp just wants to say what they're all saying. You got to say that. No, no, he doesn't. Also, January 6th and the woman who died on January 6th. I am, we're so lucky that he is not afraid to talk about this. In Here's that three hours, over 140 officers were injured that day. And a person named Ashley Babbitt was killed. Yes. You know what? She was killed, and she shouldn't have been killed. And that thug that killed her, there was no reason to shoot her. At blank range, cold blank range, they shot her. And she was a good person. She was a patriot. One there was no was reason. There. To, there was no reason. And he went on television to brag about the fact that he killed her. At times, it seemed like nobody was talking about Ashley Babbitt. He does. It is so important. And yes, an unarmed woman was killed. We saw it on television. And America doesn't care. He does. It's awesome. And we have to show this from time to time. We have to talk about it here. We have to remind ourselves what happened. And he's right about Bird. Uh, you know, the media freaked out because he used the word thug. It's a black man. You're not thug is not has no racial connotation whatsoever. All right. Talk to Barack Obama about thugs. He used the term all the time. It's not it doesn't know. It's fine. Ashley Babbitt 
was a strong supporter of Donald Trump. Yeah, that's and a white woman. Oh, by the way, that's one of the reasons why the mainstream media have such contempt for her. Uh, she was a patriot. She served in the military. Interestingly, this photograph, Merry Christmas. Here she is with the son. You know who she's standing next to? A four-star general, General Abizade. Remember him from CENTCOM? Uh, Ashley Babbitt was there on January 6th, and that is your constitutional right, her constitutional right. And we have evidence that she didn't hurt anybody and she didn't break anything and actually was obeying the rules. Take a look at this. She's walking inside the little uh, stanchions, the velvet rope. That's her not causing any trouble whatsoever. And now we have to do this, okay? We don't do it very often, but we're going to show the moment she shot and what happened before it, the cops walking away, all of it. It must be done. We cannot forget this outrage, this injustice can't stand. Why are those cops walking away? Watch. What is that about? And now look. And they're still there, just standing there against the wall. Just standing there. And Ashley Babbitt is over there. They don't stop her. She's not hurting anybody either. And you're about to see Bird's gun. There it is. And he takes the shot. And he kills her, shot in the neck. And he's proud of that somehow. And what happened next, actually? She was dragged out. They did not elevate the wound. I learned that in the Cub Scouts, for crying out loud. They dragged her out, neck first, feet up. Horrendous, horrendous. And thank God President Trump is still talking about it. And he knows the husband, the, the widower of Ashley Babbitt, the country will not forget. And they're pursuing a lawsuit very hard to do against the federal government. We wish them all the luck in the world and whatever we can do to help out, please let us know. Anyway, I'm glad that happened last night. Donald Trump does it, and we have to remember her as well. All right. So back to the town hall. This is not very significant, but it is a moment. The opening of the whole thing and that moderator, uh, Katie Collins or something. Take a look. We're live here at St. Anne's own college for CNN's town hall with former President Donald Trump. I'm Caitlin Collins. All right, I know this is petty, but I uh, don't think she should wear white, all right? I'm sorry. Uh, it's not all about her, and I think white really does draw attention by definition, right? It stands out. What's that all about? You can only wear white when you're on Fantasy Island, and only if you're Mr. Rourke and Tattoo, and if you're not on Fantasy Island, or if it's after Memorial Day, all right? And if you're interviewing the president, you should never wear white, all right? Fair enough? I think that's fair. Uh, and she was so uh, miss-know-it-all, and she doesn't know it all. I went by the Presidential Records Act, that's and we were negotiating with NARA. Says. That's not what it says, And NARA President. has red-flagged a thing called the Constitution. 
That's not what the Presidential Record Act says, huh? That's not. She knows. She's the expert. Um, you know, documents and laws are often subject to interpretation. Very brilliant people can disagree on what they mean. Sometimes five to four decisions from the Supreme Court. And here she is interrupting and saying she knows. And oh, by the way, this condescending look, right? Yeah, she's like not having it. I know better than you. No, you don't. Know your place. You're the moderator. You're supposed to facilitate. It's a town hall. The people are supposed to ask questions. Who is this person? Oh, by the way, 31 years old, totally in over her head. Um, and just because she had two jobs, all right, she worked at a website and now she works at CNN. She thinks she's an expert on everything because she's what? On television? We're not experts. <laughs> on much at all, if anything, okay? Especially her. Um, and the interrupting, and I guess you can say something that they don't agree with, she doesn't agree with. Watch this. And they were breaking into the Capitol, smashing windows, injuring police officers. Why did you, why did it take you three hours to tell them to go home? I don't believe it did. Oh, let me pull it out, I have to pull it out. <laughs> I am asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. No violation. It's, we want no violation. We want no violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law and our great men and women in blue. Thank you. That was at 2.30. That was very early. And she started quibbling about the timeline, and she tried to say, I'm so glad this happened. Uh, Donald Trump did put out a video, and there's this whole myth that he didn't say anything for three hours, okay? He was tweeting all afternoon and put this video out and said at the outset, peaceful, patriotic, you know it, right? You know that. We all know that if you've been watching this show. Um, the election. The election is something you can't talk about unless you talk about it how they want you to talk about it. And then we had a rigged election. I'm sorry to say it. The and, election was and, not rigged, oh, okay, Mr. Good, President. You can't I'm, keep I'm saying that all night that. long. And so then they the took over and they decided not to finish it. It would have taken them three weeks. <laughs> I have concerns about the fairness of the 2020 election. It's a free country. He knows things that she doesn't. And oh, by the way, rigged? Sure, you can use that word. He's the president. He was the one on the ballot. It wasn't her. Anyway, they had a total meltdown after this at CNN. Everybody's angry at CNN, the left and the right. And uh, they're just, well, watch. It was an interesting night. Uh, Mr. Trump's first lie was told just seconds into the night with his false familiar claim that the 2020 election was, quote, a rigged election. And the falsehoods kept coming fast and furious, perhaps most chillingly. The day after a nine-person jury of his peers in New York found him liable for sexual battery and defamation and ordered him to pay writer E. Jean Carroll $5 million, he made fun of her account of her sexual assault. And many in the audience laughed. Yeah, because it was funny, because it's a farce. The case doesn't make sense, and we, the people, know that. He's got all the answers, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're wearing the glasses, and he's talking to Anderson Cooper, and they both went to Ivy League schools, and uh, we know. <laughs> it's like, we report, you listen. And by the way, they call themselves straight news guys, these two, okay? I'm an opinion host. I have a bit more latitude. They're supposed to be just the facts. It's a joke. It's terrible. And oh, by the way, the facts... Don't forget the facts of that thing I told you about early on. Jordan Neely, he was arrested for horrible, horrible things. 
try to find any of that on CNN. I'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Carson. Some big news. Former President Trump is urging you to get a copy of David Horowitz's new book. It's called The Final Battle. It's a number one bestseller. The Final Battle reveals a secret plan led by leftists and a new woke generation who want to destroy America, and we know it. Horowitz says they're in schools, our churches, even our military. The Final Battle explains how Joe Biden and the big media want to stop Trump and DeSantis before 2024. Horowitz even names the names of secret players behind it all. Newsmax calls Final Battle the book of the year. I've got a copy of it in my office. Mike Huckabee says he couldn't stop reading it. Get Final Battle in bookstores and check out the free offer and save $28. Just call 800-NEWSMAX, that's 800-NEWSMAX, or go to FinalBattle611.com to get your free copy today. All right, well, the border is totally out of control, and it's actually going to get worse. How can that be? Well, Title 42 is going to expire in, what, a little over an hour? It's insane. They couldn't figure out a way. We know, we know it, it's effective somewhat. I mean, it helps a little bit. Um, terrible. So irresponsible. Stephanie Crisp Canales is a Texas rancher. She's about 50 miles from the border, uh, south of, a town is called Petula, I think, south of San Antonio, 50 miles from the border. And uh, she's got a real problem on this ranch with illegals coming through it all the time. She took this picture the other night. Stephanie Crisp Canales, uh, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? And um, man, only about an hour or so to go. Are you ready? We're about as ready as we can be at this point. <laughs> What's it like right now? I mean, how bad is it? That, that scene on your property, that is pretty stark. What, what is it like on a day-to-day -day basis? What's happening there? Um, the continued foot traffic, like what you see in that picture there, that happens in the middle of the night. That picture was taken at 4.30 in the morning, um, but they cross 24-7. There are always people uh, walking through our property and right. driving through our property every day. They shouldn't be on your property, obviously, and uh, this shouldn't be happening to the country. Are they breaking anything? Are they stealing anything? It's your property. What happens in that regard? Um, well, we've been lucky up to this point, but I will say, you know, it's costing us a fortune in repairing fences. Um, sometimes, usually they will just drive through our gates and our fences. Sometimes they will stop and cut locks on our gates and continue on through that way. So it's been very costly for all of us and our neighbors around us. Uh, Secretary Mayorkas, Department of Homeland Security says uh, somehow that everything's gonna, everything's gonna be fine. Uh, not really, but listen to this. I wanna be very clear. Our borders are not open. Borders are not open, short and sweet there. Our borders are not open. Uh, what do you make of that statement? That's a lie. That is a lie. Our borders are wide open. I mean, we see it every day. And if they would bother to pay attention and listen to those of us and look at what's happening down here, they would see that. If you could, if you were running the country, what do you need? I mean, we obviously need, we need a wall. We need greater security. We need a lot of things, but what, what would you recommend? What would be the first thing? Well, 
Like you said, we need a lot of stuff. Um, I, I wish we could go back and put into place um, what Trump what had started and what he was doing, uh, because when he was president, we did not see one person on our property. So everything that he had in place, it worked. And I wish we could go back to that. You know, because I think that, I mean, we're America, we're in America, we're American citizens, and we feel that our government um, has has left us, you know, and it's, it's not fair. Donald Trump may be coming back, and he is acutely aware about what's going on. Listen to this. He dropped this statement just a little while ago on Rumble. With today's termination of the final remnants of Title 42, Joe Biden has officially abolished what remained of America's borders and turned the United States into a dumping ground for illegal aliens from all over the world. We've become a third world nation. At this very moment, illegal aliens are lined up by the tens of thousands, ready to break into our country, knowing that even if they are caught, Joe Biden will order them immediately released into American communities. And many of these people are very dangerous. On day one of my new administration, I will end this travesty and restore the sovereign borders of the United States of America. We will immediately resume expedited removals of people that are crossing illegally our border. And following the model of President Eisenhower, we will use all necessary federal, state, local, and military resources to begin the largest domestic deportation effort in American history. What do you think? He's, he's correct. I mean, if, you know, we need to go back to what he had in place. And, you know, the, the individuals that come through our property, they're obviously, they're running from the law. Um, and they're running from the law because they have criminal records. You know, they're not just giving themselves up when they cross the Rio Grande uh, to Border Patrol um, because of that, because they know that they're wanted in their home countries. And that's that's what's scary. We do have bad people crossing our border every second of the day. And going right through your property. It's crazy. And I'm so sorry that's happening. Hey, Stephanie, do me a favor. Uh, tell me a little bit about what is it like to be a rancher and, and what specifically uh, are you raising there? Uh, we have uh, cows and that's what we do. We raise cattle uh, for beef. Um, so it's, uh, it's been in my family for many generations raising cattle. That's awesome. How many heads of cattle on the ranch? Too many to feed. <laughs> Say what? Too many to feed. I can't hear. I'm sorry. What's this? Too many to feed. Two million? Too many to oh, feed. Oh, too many to feed. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Two million. All right. Well, give me a guess. Come on. Give me a guess. Um, about a hundred is what we run. A hundred. All right. Well, that's a lot of cows. Good luck. All right. I know things are getting worse, and that's uh, that's tough. Stephanie, Chris, Canales, stay in touch. All the best to the folks down there in Petula, and we'll be right back. There are 50 former national intelligence folks 
who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is, has all the four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend, Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? And that's exactly it. what is this that's where exactly you're what This is told. where he's going. The laptop that, right. is Russia, yes. Russia, Russia? I want to stay on the issue of race. He you gotta be kidding me. Wow, the laptop. Yes, the swamp gathered. Tony Blinken called all of his friends in the swamp, uh, dozens of them, including uh, CIA directors and uh, deputy this, assistants that. Uh, what was his name? John Brennan, uh, former CIA director, total, total and complete Trump hater. I think he hates a lot of things. Uh, signed that bogus letter. Uh, but now we know the laptop is real, and everybody who signed that letter is a total and complete fraud. Uh, Fred Flights is on the case, senior fellow, America First Policy Institute, Newsmax contributor, and Ron McEachran, former acting chief of the FBI's International Corruption Unit. Welcome to you both. Fred Flights, uh, the House report uh, came out yesterday. Devastating. Tell, give us the key takeaways. And I still can't believe it. I still can't believe that they signed that dumb letter. Well, we know that Anthony Blinken called a former CIA director, Michael Morrell, to, to get this letter. But this new House report, it's chock full of more information on how deceptive it was. Here's an example. Morrell tried to tell the press and the American people that this letter appeared organically because former intelligence officers who found who followed Russia believed it was disinformation. In fact, Morrell wrote the letter. He then looked for Russia analysts to sign it, and 26 out of 36 of them refused to sign the letter. This was rigged from the very beginning. You know, it's kind of like, I mean, when I think about it, what they said was, well, if you look at the letter, um, you know, the Russians are known to use pen and paper sometimes. So therefore, pen and paper, and they sometimes use computers. So this could be Russia disinformation. Uh, Ren, I'm sorry, that's not a really good example. But they had to know that they were that they were wrong. Yeah, this is crazy. These people are some of the best and brightest, supposedly, in the intelligence community. And here they are signing this letter using all their prior titles, which gives major clout to anybody hearing or reading that letter. And it's really just a, a total false information. That's where the false information is. That's the disinformation, is this letter. The irony is that they're creating the problem. And it also is a terrible message to the to intelligence community and our in our nation, our adversaries and our allies. It just it's just it's just so embarrassing as a country that this has occurred and that nobody wants to take responsibility, of course. Uh, let's put up uh, from Michael Morrell to Kristen Wood. The more former intelligence officers, the better campaign will be thrilled. This is so ultra political. And this intelligence community, I'm sorry. I mean, they have just screwed up so much stuff. Uh, and there's the one from, uh, let's see here, this is from Morell to John Brennan, trying to give the campaign, particularly during the debate on Thursday, a talking point to push back on Trump on this issue. Look, Politico is writing about it, Newsmax is, but I don't sense uh, that there's any real ramifications for the people who signed this letter. Or Fred, is that about to change? No, and that's a big problem because most of these former intelligence officers 
they still hold security clearances. They're making huge amounts of money with Beltway banded firms, defense firms, intelligence contractors using their security clearances, which they never gave up. Now, uh, President Trump took away the security clearance of John Brennan. And I'm afraid nothing's going to happen to these people during the Biden administration. But I, I got to tell you, if there is a Republican president in 2025, every signatory of this letter should lose their clearance. And we have to have new standards for former intelligence officers. Uh, I'd like to go to uh, Jim Comer from the House Oversight Committee. Man, the, Biden, the alleged corruption around the Biden family and taking money when he was vice president. Listen to uh, Senator Comer talk. I'm sorry, Congressman Comer talk about all the potential family members involved. While Vice President Biden was lecturing Romania on anti-corruption policies, in reality, he was a walking billboard for his son and family to collect money. Hunter Biden and his associates capitalized on a lucrative financial relationship with a Romanian national who was under investigation for and later convicted of corruption in Romania. The Bidens received over $1 million for the deal. And 16 of the 17 payments to their associates account that funneled the Bidens money occurred while Joe Biden was vice president. All right. And he also mentioned all the people involved, Jim Biden, the president's brother, the president's brother's wife, Hunter Biden's ex-wife, Hunter Biden's present wife, Hunter Biden's girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, I guess. I hope. I don't know. Uh, let's see here. Three grandchildren. Uh, <laughs> what are they saying inside the FBI? I mean, this I saw the whole press conference. This is devastating. I know the fake news ignores it. Ren, what are they saying in the FBI? Well, I don't know exactly what they're saying, but I've led numerous international corruption investigations. And this is the playbook. Money being transferred to family members. We always see these in these international corruption cases, even domestic corruption cases, these wires, these shell companies. Remember, who walks like a duck. Look at look at all the evidence they have: emails, documents, bank records, uh, cooperators. It goes on and on and on. The evidence collectively is starting to look overwhelming, and so now there's got to be real pressure. And there's a problem of perception, right? What is the FBI doing? Uh, you know, I don't want to. I don't know exactly what's going on, of course, and uh, but it, the perception is troubling at, at best. Fred. As we wrap up, you know, earlier President Trump said, you know, we're fast becoming a third world country. And it kind of hit me. It's like, yeah, I feel like we're, we're losing our superpower status. It's happening so rapidly. Um, are we wrong? I mean, is it, is it as bad as it feels right now? Are we still a superpower? Can you kind of put me at ease or, hey, but, but give me the truth, too. <laughs> we're still a superpower. We are a resilient nation capable of withstanding incompetence. But I'm worried what will happen if we have four more years of this incompetent president. And I, I, I have to wonder, what did these foreigners think they were doing with their $10 million laundered through 20 LLCs of the Biden family? What were they buying? They were buying influence. They knew very well they were buying influence with a man who is vice president, who they thought might be president someday. It's incredible. I like the way the committee is doing this. So they're working methodically and they're um, uh, they're documenting everything. And this is going to this is just going to get bigger. Fred Flights, we appreciate it. Check out Newsmax.com. Great piece there. And Ren McEachran. 
former acting chief of the FBI's International Corruption Unit. We thank you both, and I'll be right back. Information. Truth. Is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. Everything is in context. My mother used to, she would give us a hard time sometimes and she would say to us, I don't know what's wrong with you young people. You think you just fell out of a coconut tree? (laughs) You exist in the context of all in which you live and what came before you. All right, she needs help, obviously, right? Something is going on of a... um of a personal nature, all right? She needs help big time. Not funny, actually. Well, sometimes it's funny. But anybody who's going through anything, I want them to get help. She should not have the responsibility that she has because uh, she's totally screwed it up. Remember, they put her in charge. Our border is disintegrating right now. Disintegrating. Disintegrating. And she was the one who was put in charge of the whole thing. Remember that? Madam Vice President, thank you. I gave you a tough job, and you're, you're smiling. <laughs> But there's no one better capable of trying to organize this. Well, thank you, Mr. President, and for having the confidence in me. Well, uh, there's a problem, isn't there? (laughs) And what was her first um, method? What was her first approach to tackle this issue? I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. Well, did not work. How about that? And we are left with, you know, this is dangerous for everybody. The, the, the migration, the immigration, uh, out of control, at the border. Uh, we have no border. And did you see what happened in Brownsville? This horrible slaughter of these people, right? Um, and part of it, I do believe, the, the, the environment is so chaotic. At one point, they tried to tell us that George Alvarez, who has committed a lot of crime in his life, uh, unsure of his immigration status, but here's what gets me. They tried to say that this guy was a white supremacist at one point. They actually tried that. So many lies. Hey, folks, I actually have a book out about some of this stuff. It's called Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. Big chapter in there on immigration, but I'm especially proud of the January 6th material, and uh, you may want to consider it for your consideration, okay? Hey, folks, uh, Tucker Carlson, still still a hot topic. Do you want Tucker Carlson on Newsmax? If you want him, you can vote. Text PICK, P-I-C-K, to 39747. PICK to 39747. I personally have voted yes. We'll see what happens. Title 42 ends in an hour. It's like they want to ruin the country. They could have figured out a way to extend this. Horrific. So sorry. I'll see you tomorrow.